Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast and joining me today is our sister pleb, Susie B Double Ds. And no, if you are wondering, I did not ask her what that referred to. So if you want to know what the, the DDS is at the end of her name, you're going to have to DM her and ask her yourself because we had way more interesting things to talk about. Like the fact she is the daughter of the guy that dis- invented the heart scanning machine. Like this is this is nuts. This, this is crazy, crazy stuff. And well, I won't spoil it. No spoilers. That was a huge spoiler, I guess. But it's a great conversation. You got to listen to it. And uh, thank you, Susie, for taking the time to come on the show. I know this is the first one. I know you're a bit nervous. You're doing great work. The memes are amazing. It keeps us all so engaged and thinking. And just watching uh, you come into the space and, um, well, as the people who are listening to this will find out where your heart is and the work that you're going to be go- uh, going down to doing in El Salvador is truly amazing. Thank you. Uh, before we get into the show, make sure you are, please, supporting the show's sponsors. You can do that by supporting yourself by using their service to stack sats by Bitcoin. You can do that with swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. That will unlock a free $10. You can do it at Coin Corner. They're an exchange in the UK. You can use euros or fiat. Open an account with them. That's coincorner.com based out the Isle of Man. You can set up auto buys with those guys as well. Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash bitten is a stacking service. It's an app you download across Europe and you can start stacking away. Very much the same kind of service as Swan in the US. Bitcoin Reserve offer you the opportunity to stack daily up to a thousand pounds a day via your card. And they have a white glove concierge service which is going to help you put on a big position. 50,000 pounds or euros or more. All of these companies are going to insist that you take control of your coins. You can do that with shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. That will save you 5% on their Bitbox 02 Bitcoin only hardware wallet. And if you want to get to the conference, April 6th to 9th, it's just around the corner. Make sure you hit the link in the show notes or use the code bitten at checkout to save yourself 10%. It's going to be huge. I'm sure you know who's going to be attending by now, but they've just announced Jordan Peterson and Cynthia Lummis as well. There's four days. Day one is industry day. Day two and three are the big conference days. And the last day is Sound Money Fest, where you're going to be able to see bands such as Logic, Steve Aoki, Run the Numbers, San, Holo, and Dead Mal 5 amongst more check your travel restrictions get over there if you can a huge thank you again to all of you that are listening especially if you're using the streaming apps fountain is a great place to start listening to your podcasts and bruise wallet as well uh any sats that get streamed across to myself and the other podcasters in the space it's it's an amazing feeling here's susie enjoy the show thank you 
Okay, Susie, we are recording. How are you doing? Good, how about you? We are doing very well. Lauren's here to ask the first question, of course. Hi. Hi. So I have three questions. So one of the questions is, why do you like Bitcoin? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say that the thing I like about Bitcoin is that it, I've never really been interested in the economy or finances or, you know, anything like that in terms of like global economics. And, but I love science. I've always been a science girl. My dad's a physicist, nuclear physicist. So Bitcoin has finally sort of married, once I started learning about it, it married science and money and economy to me. So I am interested about these things now that I never have been before. Okay. And uh, so my uh, second question is, um, so my dad told me that you were a dentist. That's correct. Right? Yeah. So um, why did you become a dentist? Ah, that's another great question. So um, I never would have thought as a child that I wanted to be a dentist. Um, in fact, I had planned on going into um, academics. I wanted to be a professor and do research. So I was a um, physiology and biochemistry major in undergrad. And I started working in a lab doing re animal research on um, the precursor to melatonin. It was before melatonin was used as a supplement everywhere. So I was doing research on that. And one of the PhD fellows in the lab that worked, I worked with, his dad was a dentist. And they had a standing date every Friday because dentists in the US don't work on Fridays. And every time he would come into the lab, he would say to me, you should not go into academia. You should, and I was like, well, Dr. Kevin, what should I do? He said, you should be a dentist. And I was like, oh, I could never work in mouths. So he then invited me to, um, to just, he said, just give me, give me one month, come and work for me for one month. I did that and he sold me. He was beloved, he had a great lifestyle, he enjoyed what he did. There's a little bit of art, there's lots of socializing. So uh, it was, yeah, I credit him with them convincing me to be a dentist. Okay, wow, that's uh, <laughs> I more want to than ask you a wanted to know. <laughs> what, 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 okay, what's your question? Did Dr. Kevin have a Porsche as well? Did, uh, he did had that... a lovely house and many cars, so it, it, it was <laughs> that was also compelling. <laughs> okay. Um, and my third question is: so my dad said that you made memes. I do. Why do you make memes? So it's funny. In fact, my kids now all um, they think it's hilarious to introduce their mom as a professional memer. They'll be like, "This is my mom, the professional memer." Um, I. You know, I'd never made a meme before I started getting active on Twitter. Um, and But then I saw some incredible memes from people like the Meme Factory. I love Yellow and Greg and Labrahoodle and all of those guys. And I really saw how powerful it was. So I love making people laugh. I did do that as a dentist. I told corny jokes. Um, but I find memes to be a powerful way to teach and, and really sometimes um, make concepts that might be um, triggering or upsetting to people, it sometimes lets people take things in that maybe they wouldn't with words. So I think there's a lot of power in memes. Okay, wow, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I find it hilarious what Debbie puts on Twitter. <laughs> it is the, hilarious. I laugh every day. Yeah, the, the gifts. gifts. Yeah, the gifts. Uh, yeah. I, 
kind of like memes. Wait, are memes kind of like gifts? Uh, a little different meme. I mean, they can be. You can make a gif into a meme. Um, but gifs are, you know, just those little snapshot reactions. I love using them yeah. too. Memes are usually, I consider them kind of more like a, a joke about something or something funny or that you're teaching with. Usually, sometimes you can use gifs. A lot of times it's just a, like a cartoon or a, um, like a screenshot. Right. Okay. And I think that's it. Yeah, you're spent. Yeah. All right, yeah, great questions. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask about kids. Uh, no. no. No? All right, I'll do that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. I already asked too many questions. Plus, I'll get rid of them. Oh, you're excellent. Questions. I see a future for you, Lauren. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, I got to go because I got a friend waiting on a call for okay. me. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, see you. Bye. Yes, bye. Nice meeting you. <laughs> She's great. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Susie. Great to meet you. It, it feels as though I've known you for a long time, following your <laughs> tweets and uh, your, your updates. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really fun account. I really love what you bring to the space. Oh, thank you. Especially your we need more women in Bitcoin meme was like that that won the internet, I think. Of, <laughs> that was just I the had best. a good time with that one. It is funny to see, um, you know, all these people I look up to so much and just to do something like that. It was really fun. Did you get a lot of feedback on that one? Oh, yes. Yeah, a lot of feedback. And, you know, and it was uh, nice for me to be able to uh, it kind of opened the doors to some of these people becoming my friends and getting to message them. And, you know, it's uh, yeah, it was it was really um, sort of, I guess, my first successful meme. So it was fun. It was great. It was great. All right, let's um let's delve into it then because you you mentioned your dad was a nuclear physicist. That's mm -hmm. that's kind of not normal. Like, yeah, you know, no. that that's pretty crazy. What yeah. was that like growing up as a kid under that kind of level of intellect, I suppose, or interest? Um, you know, what what were you being exposed to that was just, you know, setting your mind alight? Oh gosh, it, it, it was, it really is such a gift in my life. And my dad is, you know, just, he's my true North and who I bounce ideas off of. And um, he is the inventor of the heart scan. And so he spent, you know, his whole life trying to get people to realize that um, sudden death heart attack is completely, completely preventable. And that heart disease is a hundred percent diagnosable that nobody should ever die of that. Um, and so uh, him being that an inventor and, and a nuclear physicist, we would all, and well known, my godfather is considered one of the, um, the founding fathers of radiology. So Godfrey Hounsfield, um, and those are the people we would have at my house. You know, it would be so, I mean, constantly Carl Sagan and um, just so many amazing people all the time our house was filled. So I do feel fortunate. And I think that's what's given me that drive to always want to learn something. And that's why Bitcoin, I consider it such a gift now that, you know, there's something at 50 years old that I'm really excited and interested in. And, and I have no angle, like I've retired now. I don't want to work. I'm not, so for me to just be able to learn and enjoy is really exciting at this age. Wow, that's, that's crazy. He invented the heart scan. He invented the heart scan. If you're interested in that at all, there's a great, it was actually a, um, 
a fil uh, documentary film team from the UK was doing a, a documentary several years ago on sudden death heart attack uh, and how it impacted families and lives. So that was the documentary. But then during the course of doing this research, they found out that about my dad's machine and that, oh wait, you can diagnose a heart attack that is has never been diagnosed. So then this documentary became about um, the same year that he invented the heart scan was the same year that uh, cardiac stents were developed by a radiologist. So the documentary became, what was medicine going to do? Were they going to go with diagnosis and prevention or intervention? And with anything in medicine, I think COVID has really shown a lot of people this, it's follow the money. And there's far more money, you know, a lot more money in intervention than there ever was in um, prevention and detection. So uh, yeah, it's called uh, The Widowmaker and it, it's fascinating. It will make you very angry, just like COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and look what's happening right now with this, this rise of, you know, heart problems, especially here in Europe, we see uh, a huge amount of this, like the, the, this myocarditis, you know, another word we've got to get used to saying, which was never in our... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, did, had you even ever heard that word? No. Before? I mean, and it's in our common language, you know, everyday language now. It's, it's disgusting. What does, I mean, you must have had long form discussions about this with your dad. I mean, what, what's he thinking about all of this? Well, it's, interesting because my parents got COVID it, despite being very careful in August of 20 mm -hmm. and my dad my dad's 80 now he got deathly ill and um and I my parents just they're they're very healthy normally he's never had to go to the you know emergency room before and I'm at work seeing patients and all of a sudden I get a call from my sister in Hawaii and she's like hey mom and dad just called the ambulance for dad he can't breathe I'm like, what? They had told me they were sick. And I was like, is it COVID? And they're like, we haven't been out of the house. It's not COVID. It, indeed, it was COVID. when they called his oxygen, um, O2 sat was 83. So I get on a plane to go out. But all that time, I'm researching. And again, this is August of 20. I found out about ivermectin. I go out. Hospital at that point, they were able to get his oxygen up. So they didn't transport him. But you need to follow up with your doctor. Da, 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 da. I go there. My dad is dying. I mean, he looks terrible. I was able to prescribe an oxygen machine. I get the ivermectin and give it to him. Nobody's talking about it yet. And within, this is about 48 hours. My dad turns around. My mom is also sick, not like my dad. Within 12 hours, she feels better. So, and the reason I bring up this story is so I start, I thought, oh my God, I've cured COVID. Nobody's talking about ivermectin this time. And I was like, this, I've cured COVID. So I'm spraying. And for the first time in my life, I start getting suspended. Facebook suspended me. I was like, what? Like, and I didn't say take ivermectin. I said, this is what happened with my dad. If you can get it, it's cheap. Go, you know, I, I got it from the regular pharmacy to do it. Um, and so it's interesting for my dad to see what happened with ivermectin and media calling it horse dewormer and stuff when he's like, wait a minute, this worked on me. And he likens it exactly to what happened with him in cardiology, with the car mainstream cardiology and the is that when they first brought up the idea of detection and calcium score, cardiologists said, this is, this is garbage. It does nothing. Yet now that they found a way to monetize it, it it's standard of care. So he, and you know, it took 20 years for this to be standard of care and for them to find a way to make it useful. 
And so he sees it the same way with, I mean, he, he said, he goes, they're doing this because it's money. In medicine, it always comes down to money. The patent on ivermectin is done, you know, is um, expired. Of course, they're not going to want to push ivermectin. So, and there, and he says, there's a lot of money in, in heart disease. They're not interested in curing it. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> when you realize this, it, it's so sick, right? Because here in France, ivermectin was one of the top 10 prescribed drugs and had been for a very long time, many years. Uh, and I want to say the same for hydroxychloroquine as well. But then all of a sudden, you can't get it. It, it, it's off the shelves. You couldn't even get it prescribed. The, originally, they took it off the, you couldn't get it over the counter. And then they said you can only get it by prescription, which I think was a weird one. There was a French doctor talking about this and then not allowed to prescribe it. So the amount of pre-care that could have gone on when this thing was going through in the early days when we had the most um, virulent variant if they'd have just been given ivermectin, which was on the shelves and there and ready to use, no one would have been cheap. and cheap. And cheap. Yep. No one would have been hospitalized. It wouldn't have got to that stage. I truly believe that because, I mean, my, my, like I said, my dad's 80. He does have a comorbidity. And it, it, it's, I watched him get better. So to, to, for me to see it become this vaccine, if it's either vaccine or therapeutics has never made sense unless you look at it through a financial lens. Oh. But I can't even buy ivermectin now. Like, so you, we have drugs we have to buy for the office. We've sedate patients. I can get any drug right now. And in 24 years of dentistry, I've never had a time that I can't, you know, maybe something's back ordered. They tell me in two weeks for the last six months, I can't buy ivermectin. Because they don't want you to have it or because it's flying off the shelves in a black market? They or, or... are sold out and they do not know when it will be restocked. And this is both of my suppliers. And for that, like that I can buy Oxycontin, but I can't buy Ivermectin and they don't know. I, I just, it, it just, I definitely have become a conspiracy theorist after becoming a pleb. And this is, I, I was like, this is coordinated. Sold out in air quotes. Correct. Incentivize not to sell, basically, or they they are sold out because somebody with a huge amount of money had interest in taking them off the shelves and out of circulation. Correct. Oh my goodness! Every time you get into a conversation about this with somebody that's been close to it, whether like you know you've been as close as you've been. Uh, I had um, the, the last episode I just released was, was Jonathan Kirkwood and he was 10 years a physician and he was talking about what he was seeing inside the hospitals and how incentive structures are misaligned there. And yes. we've heard about people being put on ventilators needlessly because the hospital gets subsidized by the state. These aren't, these aren't conspiracies, right? This is no. all true stuff. Well, I mean, my point all along was Remdes, you know, whenever I discuss ivermectin, particularly with someone who is who's knowledgeable, it is there's not enough studies, there's not enough properly done studies, and I always push back with, but remdesivir received emergency use authorization by the from the FDA, and it doesn't work, and it's in fact all the studies now are showing that it increases hospital stays, yet the FDA approved it. 
Why do, and it has far fewer studies. What's the only difference? Remdesivir is $3,600 for, <laughs> it, it, that's the only difference as opposed to 60 cents a pill. When I look at that, I'm like, again, it, it's, it's financial. It, it, it's always the money. Same deal with hydroxychloroquine? Hydroxychloroquine, no, there, there is some evidence that it works. I, I don't think it's nearly as effective as ivermectin, but it's off patent. Mm -hmm. And it does have, ivermectin basically, it has no side effects. I mean, kids take it for lice. It, it really is one of the safest drugs. It's like penicillin. Um, hydroxychloroquine, there are a few side effects. I don't think enough to say if someone's dying, give them the dark, give them whatever, <laughs> right? I, I kind of think, you know, compassionate use and, but um, for me, ivermectin is a no-brainer. Hydroxychloroquine, I think if you're really sick, what's the harm? So they took you off Facebook because you just updated your friends and family about this is what happened to us and this is how we dealt with it and these are the results that we got. Yes, and mind you, this was August of 20. So well before the vaccine was available, because that's typically now the comment I'll get when I'm talking, when debating someone on Twitter is like, you know, oh, you anti-vaxxer, you know, your parents could have just taken the vaccine and then they wouldn't have gotten sick. The vaccine wasn't available. And what's interesting is who, the, the study I read, it was an anecdotal study, was from Thomas Barodi in Australia He's the gastroenterologist that cured um, H. pylori and um, uh, gastric ulcers. Here, you know, all of medicine was doing things like um, acid reducers and all of these things for ulcers. It was bacterial and he solved it. Yeah, he cured it. And everyone uses his protocol. And he's the one who said, hey, I have patients using this ivermectin and they are getting well. Again, this was August of 20 and that's the study I've read. Yet now in Australia, uh, physicians are not allowed to prescribe it. No pharmacy has it. This is so sick. It's sick. It's like, you know, for God's sake, whatever you do, don't find the cure for this disease. Yes. But what do they say? Like, if you see any of those, um, you know, uh, internal memos from pharmaceutical companies, it's... You, our ideal drug is not to cure disease, it's to manage symptoms. We don't want to cure anything. Do you think this goes as deep as cancer? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yes. My father has a very good friend in Malaysia who uh, he's been using immunotherapy for 10 years, uh, curing all pancreatic cancer. Cure. Immunotherapy, what's that? So it's using, he stimulates the body uh, to, to basically your immune system to fight the cancer. Mm -hmm. um, the only issue with patients who usually end up with him is he cannot take you as a patient if you've had any other cancer treatments. Because if you've had chemo or radiation, your body has no immune system to fight anymore. So, but the ones who come to him as first resort, I mean, it's, some of the stories are startling. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, it's mind blowing. Oh, the, you know, I, we have this reputation in the Bitcoin space of being uh, I, I untrust, untrusting now yes. of, of these institutions. 
And when you just start scratching the surface of some of these, like this, this last 10 minutes, this discussion, anyone listening to this, how could you not question the medical institution now? At least question, right? I mean, same thing with what's going on with Canada. Like I, I've felt just so, I'm just watching it kind of in horror, but thinking to myself, these are what all my new Bitcoin Twitter friends have been saying for the last year and it's all coming to fruition. So it is, you know, all of the memes and jokes about yesterday's conspiracy theorists are today's, you know, spoiler alerts. It's, it, it's so true. It really is. And it's very, um, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. What a bunch of, what a bunch of people, right? Like that, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's mad that there's these bunch of guys and girls on, on Twitter and it looks as though they're being, boisterous and just anti-establishment i I remember the first i don't know nine to 18 months of being on there and finding it and just like just hanging out i was i I was petrified of making any comments to any of these guys and i remember people like uh, back in the day american hoddle and and others uh i can't remember of any in particular but like you know there'd be an article about greta for example and these guys would just tear it down immediately. And we're like, whoa, these guys have got issues. And six to nine months later, you're like, they were right. They were 100% right. And that's exactly who I was. I, I mean, I'm the one who just believed what I was told. You do the right thing. You will be fine. Work hard. You know, I just have always been like, keep my head down and just do what's right. And and I did. I thought all these people were crazy. I can remember going to my first Bitcoin meetup here last year, and it's a very technical group. They tend to be all developers. I did not know this. I thought it was a crypto group. I was very much shitcoining at the time. And I go there, and they're all Bitcoin maxis. And I, I really remember thinking, these people are crazy. Like, and I'm trying to like show them how to make so much money with shitcoins, and look what I did. And I thought they were crazy and it was really a maxi on Twitter. And I was still kind of quiet at that point. I was talking about something and he said, and he said, he was like, oh, so you're a shit coiner. I was like, yeah, I've done really well. And how do you convince someone who's actually made money on something that it's the wrong thing? It, it really is a hard sell. He shamed, I'm so supportive of Maxi's because he shamed me so much that I went and read the Bitcoin standard. It it was exactly the right tactic to take with me because I was so prideful about, look what I've done, that had he not said, you're an idiot, know nothing, I would have never read it. And so yeah, Hank Hogan, I always consider him like my Bitcoin daddy because I, I wouldn't have studied Bitcoin without him. And it really just took the Bitcoin standard. I read it in a day, light bulb went off. And then I went to Peter McCormick's uh, Bitcoin 101. I spent the next week just going through everyone. And it really, it changed how I saw everything in my life, not just crypto and shit coining. And I, I got it, I got it. And so, and now it's just, it's an obsession. I, I, I love learning about it and I feel like there'll never be a time that anybody could know everything about it. So, which is exciting. 
Yeah, it's it, every day there's something new. Uh, and as you know now, it takes you down thought processes that you would never have ever imagined yourself thinking about. Because like, you know, you, you would have been conditioned in a certain way, right? Through your, first of all, through your schooling. So after school, did you, for, for dentistry, do you have to go and do like degrees or PhDs or what, what, what's that no, kind so of? It's just four years undergrad and then four years of dental school. And then you can do like, my husband is a year ahead of me in school. So he did one year of residency while he waited for me to graduate. Um, but you don't have to do the residency and I didn't. So, so you're both dentists. Yes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> he right. just wants so- me to make enough to, uh, so he can retire as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you, I mean, you're, you're, you're protected by Bitcoin now. Yes. And it's interesting. So he, he's very supportive of me, um, especially the, what I, I started with very little money. It was, it was my oldest in 2018 was, he was in high school and he was like, mom, buy some Bitcoin. I'm not buying that. You know, that's like beanie babies. I'm not buying. He pushed and pushed. He put an app on my phone, Coin Mama. The only reason I bought Bitcoin is because he would not shut up. And so I was putting five, $10 here and there. I didn't go to Starbucks that week. I didn't, you know, get my hair done. And then it was last year in March when Tesla made the announcement. And I'm like, oh, wait, I look and oh my goodness, it had become something. And then I went full shit coin after that. So, um, but I, I don't know where I was going with this. Um, now that the the fact that because you said uh, you have retired um yes. but do you, you've got bitcoin now as this kind of safety net that must give you a lot of um comfort i suppose it'd be the word it does it feel i feel like you know especially learning now about ways to borrow against it and you know things like that i i'm very um debt adverse normally but now when i see the possibility and i hear people talking about you know taking mortgages out or borrowing against it. it. Yeah, it's a whole different rabbit hole that is exciting. All right. Now, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter uh, asking you about dentistry. Yes. Should we geek out a little bit on uh, on dentistry? Yes, I, I, I can. My dental nerd juices are flowing. <laughs> I love dentistry. So. All right, cool. So first, first thing, I suppose, I mean, what, what do you get asked the most from plebs? On, on Twitter when it comes to uh, dentistry? Uh, I would say in my, D- I get a lot of DMs about it and it's usually something that's problem focused, whether it be, you know, my teeth are very sensitive or I have a tooth that's been bothering me or, you know, look, uh, take a pic, take a picture. And so do you know what this is? <laughs> uh, I get a uh, bad breath. I'll get asked about flossing is very common, things like that. All right, where should we go then? What's um what 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 should we help the plebs solve? Uh, the bad breath. Let's go with that. Bad breath and, and flossing. I see that one keep coming up um sometimes under your uh, replies to your um your tweets about dentistry. Yeah, for people who don't want to floss, I it, what I would always do in my practice would be if you don't think you need to floss and you say you don't have bad breath, floss your back teeth and smell the floss and if that smells bad, that's what your breath smells like. <laughs> Gum disease is one of the most common causes of bad, like bad halitosis. It's not something you ate. It, it typically is your gums. And how does gum disease start? Why would that set in? So I, I tell patients to think of it like it, it is bacterial. So bacteria is what's living in the pockets around your teeth. It's like a sling or a hammock. So people think they floss to remove food. 
that's just a nice side effect. Really what you're doing is disrupting the, this happy bacterial colony's home so that they can't flourish because it's the bacteria that starts to take, to start to dissolve the bone, causing gum recession and bone loss. And just general brushing is not good enough. That's not going to get no, in there. No, because it doesn't go into that pocket. Mm -hmm. So, so by the pocket, you mean that you mean the pocket that like the what the tooth sits in in the gum almost. Yeah, it literally looks like a it's like a sling or a hammock, and mm -hmm. that's what it's a suspension of ligaments, and that's where that bacteria lives. And so you get a little bit of a benefit from toothpaste or a mouthwash mm -hmm. but not enough you need mechanical mechanical disruption now a lot of people would say you know that their teeth are too tightly packed can't get it down there it's it might even be painful mm -hmm. you just got to push through the pain i'm guessing is all you're going to say that's correct if it hurts then if your gums hurt or bleed then they're not healthy uh-huh that's I, I tell I tell everyone it's just like with exercise. It would be like if you went and exercise tomorrow and you're sore and you said I'm never exercising again. It's bad for me. I'm sore. Mm -hmm. No, you've got to work through the soreness. As you, it's the same thing. If your gums are tender and bleeding, you need to work through that. Usually, it takes a week to ten days, and lo and behold, all of that soreness and bleeding will go away if you floss every day. Okay. There you go, plebs. That's that's <laughs> that's number one. All right. Um, you meant you mentioned mouthwash. That's that's something you should just do every day as well. Yeah. So uh, it's it's nice in the morning for freshening your breath, but really, if you want to use it effectively, it's the last thing you do before you go to bed, and uh, no water afterwards. Okay. Uh, yeah. Then fluoride in toothpaste. Yes. What's, what's the go? Because uh, a lot of people would think you know, on the side of thinking fluoride is, is like bad for you, shouldn't be anywhere near your body in any way, shape or form found in toothpaste. What's um, is, is there something to be wary of? Uh, so I do not recommend systemic intake of fluoride. I think there are enough studies to show the damages of fluoride. Um, and so Unless I had a patient who was a young child with serious decay issues, generally I say absolutely no fluoride in your water, no systemic uptake in fluoride. On the other hand, some of the worst mouths I've seen in terms of decay are patients who use natural toothpaste. The uptake in flu of fluoride from toothpaste is minimal unless you're swallowing it. There's very little uptake in your saliva. It, it is gravitated towards hard tissue and so, I mean, and it's so water soluble. If you drink a glass of water after you brush, it, it washes out. So I said, I, I do not like natural toothpaste if you are prone to decay. I've literally had patients with 30 cavities in their mouth. You know, chiropractors who are all health conscious, don't eat any sugar, mouthful of cavities. And they were like, it's impossible. And some people need fluoride for sure in their mouths. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but if you've never had a cavity before and you, you know, the healthy mouth, sure, forego it. There's lots of great essential oil toothpaste with um, xylitol and tea tree oil that if you don't have a problem with decay and low sugar diet, absolutely, you know, use natural. I have no problem. But if you're prone, use fluoride. It's like a top coat for your teeth, basically. Okay. Um, toothbrush. Electric or standard? 
what? <laughs> electric. There's, electric. There's no comparison with how much it cleans your teeth. And typically, I'll go. I go into a lot of um, senior living facilities or nursing homes, and a lot of times when people they just can't clean anymore, we'll give them an electric toothbrush, and it makes all the difference in the world. You you cannot compare with manual brushing with an electric toothbrush. What about people that want to get their uh, teeth aligned a little bit better when they're already well into their um, adulthood? Is there better technology out there now? I mean, I remember we're all growing up, even the kids nowadays, they still have these mouths full of metal. And I'm just thinking there's got to be a better way. Yeah, with new 3D CAD CAM technology, most of my patients, I do Invisalign on them. Um, even all of my kids, um, all but one has been all 3D aligner uh, Invisalign. It Because it moves teeth um, 360 instead of from just the front plane, I find that it's, it's faster and does a better job. Okay, what's Invisalign? Invisalign is, um, so it's, it's been around, I think about for 10 years now, you come in, we scan you, they say, okay, Daniel, this is what your teeth, this is the alignment now. This is the alignment we want it to be. This is perfect alignment. So it's all, you know, CAD technology on a computer and they know that they can move your teeth so many millimeters every two weeks to get proper movement. And that's how they determine how many trays you'll need of these clear trays. Every two weeks you change it out and it moves the teeth into that final position. You have to wear the trays all day or is it whilst all day you sleep? except for when you're eating. All day, right, okay. Mm -hmm. And it's called Invisalign because you, you can't see it. It looks like- uh, Yeah, yeah you... I have public speakers, judges. Uh, I have patients in their 70s who are having it done now. Wow. Yeah, because there is, we know that, uh, I think most people consider orthodontics just um, uh, cosmetic. But uh, what we have found is, as we, this is everybody, as you get older, your teeth go forward and you get mm -hmm. crowded here. Mm -hmm. And if it gets to a point that you, the teeth are hitting in a way that they shouldn't be, we will have patients, particularly in their 60s and 70s, who will come in with a broken tooth and we'll look and it's, oh, their teeth are now colliding in a way that they weren't. And those patients are, are getting Invisalign. All right, that's good. Um... Then the the next one, I think I asked you this one, what are all the, um, th there seems to be loads of products on the market for those people that want to whiten their teeth. Yeah. What's the, the go-tos? What are the scams? Or, you know, what, what's your advice? So if you're young, I say over-the-counter product, you know, early 20s and younger, just go with something over-the-counter. You really don't need um, a dentist to do it. After that, your teeth are a little calcified. You need a little more help. So you do need something that a dentist would give a little bit stronger um, concentration of peroxide in the product than you could get over the counter. And then it turns out the trays are kind of, oh, and you don't need the light. The light is a scam. So any of these like places you go and they put a, add a light, uh, the light does nothing. It's all psychological. So it, it, it does not improve whitening uh, speed or efficacy or final result. So really the best um, bleaching products are you get it made by a dentist and the trays need to be very custom made with reservoirs because otherwise if the bleach, as soon as it um, oxygen reaches it, it starts to oxidize and, and um, it's not effective anymore. So you want good trays. All right, great. And now where's the best place? Because a lot of plebs hope in the next few months we're all going to be a little bit more mobile again uh dental tourism is a thing yes uh, there are many countries you can go to and get much cheaper 
care, uh, especially those that live in the US. Um, you know, I've been across to, we, we've lived in Asia for a long time. Thailand was a very, very popular destination for people to go across and get uh, dental work done. What are you seeing out there or what do you know of? What can you advise the plebs if they're looking for something a little bit more affordable? Yeah, I, I think this is a fascinating statistic. I just learned this in the last few months. 20,000 U.S. citizens a day cross the border to Mexico to get dental treatment. What? Yes. Wow. A day. Build the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's like... Uh, and, and so, and I have a good friend there. Um, he, he is um, Mexican, but was trained in the US, exceptional dentist. Um, and his prices compared to what I do are 70% less. Hmm. But his lab fee, his everything associated with him practicing dentistry is more than 70% less than what I, I so. I would say, you know, if you really need a lot of dentistry and you can't, if financially you cannot afford what's going on in the U.S., to look into Mexico and someone that was trained and board certified, and uh, there's a lot of great dentists in Mexico. That's crazy, isn't it? My goodness. And yeah, I, I can imagine like your costs are just way higher than their costs, and that that's everything, right? That that's the equipment that you need to buy, the that the the space you need to rent. Absolutely. I mean, and just uh, like my lab fees, uh, what I pay in lab fees is what my friend in Mexico charges for his crowns. Wow. Mm -hmm. When does that change? How does that change? It, it, it's a tough problem. I, I don't know what the solution is. Um, there have been dentists who like send out their crowns to China, like even with round trip um, postage and it's it, it's a fraction of what we pay but then there were problems with material and there was mercury like all, all kinds of problems with that so I was never willing to do that I don't know what the solution is particularly where we're seeing um, corporate entities and hedge funds um, investors make such deep roads into dentistry now we're I see the most unethical dentistry every day now from these sort of big corporate groups. Why Profiteering they... and healthcare yeah. is a horrible marriage, you know, optimizing profits and a subjective of practice of medicine. It, it, it's a horrible, horrible duo. So hedge funds are coming into the, the dentistry space. Yeah, so the Teachers Fund of Canada is, they own one, I think it is the largest um, dental chain called Heartland. And what they do is they come in and buy practices. They don't, so for example, they have made an offer on our practice. We're not willing to work with them, um, but they have you not change the practice name, but then you take on their business model and they and work for them. And it's just, it's shocking. <laughs> It's shocking. I mean, quotas with how much you need to produce. And I mean, it, it's really, because as dentists, we, we can do harm that you wouldn't know, but that would require you to need more dentistry easily. And we see it all the time. Oh my goodness. So this, and this, this comes down to do the money's broken, right? Yes. Fix the money, fix the world. Why are they, why are hedge funds, you know, skirting around 
looking to buy up dental practices because they've got to find some kind of return on investment for their investors. They're desperate. And so they are doing all kinds of like nonsense. And now all of a sudden, dental practices look like a good investment for them. Correct. Investments are all completely highly profitable. And so I think they go where the profits it. And then when they talk about optimizing profits, and we're talking about something that some of what we do is black and white, but there's too much that's subjective. I mean, there are things that I can look at and say, no, you'll never need to treat that. And another dentist will say, oh, that's a less than perfect tooth. Yeah, we're going to put a $2,000 crown on it. Because they're incentivized. Yes. Yes. By the hedge fund and pushed by the hedge fund, right? This yes. is the I mean, thing. no, they actually, they literally have quotas and, you know, benchmarks they need to meet for production. And I mean, we just, you know, we never, I don't have that. So if you're getting, if you're one of these doctors that sold out to one of these investment funds and you're getting towards the end of the month, then you're not meeting your quota. And, and Mrs. Smith walks in and says, oh, I've got a little bit of pain. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Root canal. You're straight in whatever the highest paying and, and they'll probably look at her insurance cover as well, right? Just to make sure. Correct. That- if you have that, and then also you have half a million dollars in student loans that you know if you don't make the quota, then you won't make your, your bonus. And you have that huge loan payment coming up. You can't tell me it doesn't color your judgment and you, you, the service you're providing to patients. Of course it does. Of course it does. Hmm. And if those hedge funds had just bought Bitcoin, they wouldn't need to go out and start looking at these different random little ways and avenues in which to find alpha, which they call it, you know, looking for a return on investment. It's so simple. Just buy Bitcoin. It's outperformed anything ever since it it was incepted. Uh, But, you know, and a plea to all of the the other dental uh, clinics that are out there, Put your clinic on a Bitcoin standard and you won't ever have to sell out to these fuckers. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the business part of dentistry. If I, if I could just practice dentistry, uh, I would. I would I would do that, put my practice on a Bitcoin standard and just practice forever. I do enjoy the physical part of dentistry. I find it especially like smile makeovers and cosmetics. I love, uh, but it's the business side that's miserable. It's why I've decided to um, build a, community clinic in El Salvador and El Zante. So that's what I'm working on now. And um, in fact, I'm headed to El Salvador in a few hours. So um, we're working. No way. All right, let's do it. Let's get that. Come on. Like what, what's, (laughs) what, what are you doing? What's the project? So it's interesting. So uh, uh, it, it, um, there's just one dentist down in El Zante right now. Wonderful man, very caring, very giving, excellent dentist. Um, But he has one teeny clinic to serve 12,000 people. He's it. And so uh, he definitely has an incredible vision that he wants to, you know, provide um, full care to all his patients, and he is changing lives down there. Um, when I went down there, I saw, uh, I respect him immensely, but I saw the need a little differently. Every mouth I looked in, without fail, with children particularly, they, I did not see one mouth that didn't have at least two ma- huge cavities or infection, not one in dozens and dozens and they're all drinking coca-cola and most of them don't use a toothbrush the the what i would constantly hear is um my my parents had bad teeth my grandparents had bad teeth i'm just going to lose my teeth this is how they think so my goal is to have a clinic built down there um i'm 
getting a lot of corporate sponsors. We're putting on a concert. So, um, and to install a local dentist, there's a, de there's a girl from Bitcoin Beach who's in dental school right now in El Salvador uh, to install her there to give back to the community. And then I will have a steady flow of dentists um, who will go and donate their time there. That's awesome. It's cool. That's what it's all about. It is. And then I get to do what I love, but on my terms. And that's what Bitcoin has given me, right? Like it's freedom to do what I really want. If the plebs wanted to, to help you out and send any kind of donation for that, have you got anywhere set up that they can help you Not out? Not yet. So, and, and everyone's been so wonderful since I first mentioned it. I mean, I get hit up all the time with where can I send a donation and I'm just not willing to take anybody's money now until I have everything together. So we do have our pitch deck and um, the, like the lead singer of the Whalers is putting on a concert with Jack Johnson and a Brazilian group called Malim. They're down there now. And I have several pro surfers on board. So I just, I'm I want to make sure that I have everything in place before I let anybody else actually donate any funds. So. Oh, that's great. And, and any plebs that are dentists and are listening to the show, I've had two dentists on before a long time ago. So they're out there. Yeah. Oh, so many. Oh, I had, I've had, so, I mean, they're, they're and really interested in giving back, which is another thing I so appreciate about the Bitcoin, you know, plebs is that they are, I feel like they're always looking in ways to do more, you know, with their lives. So you were down in El Zonte for the conference, right? Yes. How did that go? What, what, talk us through that for those people that uh, are listening that weren't able to get there. Uh, it, it really, if you haven't been to El Zante 1, uh, El Salvador, I cannot recommend going enough. Like the whole idea that it's dangerous or scary or, I mean, but no, we, I went for the conference, which was wonderful to be able to hear people like, I, I love Giacomo Zucco and to like to hear him speak, I, you know, as so many people I really, really look up to and admire. I, I was thankful to get to hear them there. Um, and then just to experience, um, I, I then took my kids back a month later for Christmas. We, we went as a family and it was great for them to be able to spend Bitcoin. I mean, my little ones have never had a wallet or a purse, but yet they always have their phones. And so they thought it was so cool to be able to spend some Satoshis on things. And it, it's really neat and to see the hope that it's brought to people. I know people are kind of, you know, they have just one eye on Bukele and where's this going and is he gonna become power hungry? But for now, I definitely see hope with people down there and, they'll, and they constantly, especially street vendors and things that Bitcoin's been a good thing for them. And what they're most excited about, and we saw this a lot at Christmas, is that Salvadorans who vowed never to return, who've been gone 10, 12, 15 years, are coming back for the first time. That they're proud of their country and they feel, you know, and they see, they see the direction. And that is what is really exciting people down there. And uh, were you at the gig that uh, Bitcoin City was announced? No, I would have loved to have been. No. <laughs> have you uh I, I just wondered if you if you got across um, to that part of the country as well, or was it just El Zonte that you've been kind of No, uh, all over. On? So yeah, we did a lot of, especially at Christmas, we went all over to the lake and we did go see where Bitcoin City, the proposed location. It's it's very cool. Yeah, it's so exciting. And it's such a such a draw to so many plebs, you know, myself included, as I sit here in February looking at 
you know the dark and rain yeah I, I would love to be much closer to uh the seaside the beach uh, learning new skills learning a new language learning how to surf you know that this we have the time as bitcoiners to do this kind of thing it's that and it's the vibe there and the people are really i i do think there's a little bit of a fear um i've heard expressed that you know all of these bitcoiners and white people are going to come in and take over and take there's a little bit of that fear for sure uh definitely prices are going up on real estate and, but overall it's overwhelmingly positive and um and it, it, it's just, when you go there, you're, it's just exciting. And um, yeah, I, I love being down there. The, the little I know about El Zonte, I've had Michael on uh, from Bitcoin Beach on before, before this all blew up and I've had Chimbera on as well after yes, the- he's uh, awesome. Yeah, he's great. Uh, after the Jack Mallers announcement, uh, he came on and we chatted about it. it. It's not like this is a new thing for them, right? That there's been like surf tourism is huge. And of course, if you bring pro surfers down there, they're going to end up buying properties. Uh, the, you know, the air quote, um, white tourists come for the, for the, the surfing and, and whatever else. So if this new wave is Bitcoiners, but they're not just coming for their holidays, they're going to come and they're going to stick around and they're going to build businesses there and they're going to you know, reward the locals and do things like you're doing. If, you know, if you're setting up a dental clinic and that's going to be there available, not well, first of all, to train people. Yes. Because they'll get to work under the visiting Absolutely. dentist, yeah. but also just to, to make people better. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, they're going to have sort of those growing pains that any um, country has that becomes popular with tourists. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, that, you know, it's that balancing. We want to keep and maintain this special place we have, but we need this influx of money and this tourism will be, you know, powerful and a good thing for the economy. Um, it is interesting though, the light that Bitcoin has shed on El Salvador. Yes, it's a surfing and El Zante, it is a surfing community, but for example, they've never had a world-class like WSL surfing competition there, but they are having their first in June. WSL is coming and it's the first one held in a Latin American country, which I found, or a Central American country, which I found incredible. And I have no doubt without Mike doing what he's done that it wouldn't have happened. And Bethany Hamilton was orange peeled on that very beach. Yeah, she was there last week, actually. In El wow. Yeah. She's an amazing person. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. That documentary of hers uh, on Netflix is is really worth checking out. I cannot. Oh, yeah. It's so great. She's amazing. My, my sister knows her well. And so, yeah, she's just an amazing human being. Your sister, your sister knows Bill Murray as well, by all accounts, from that little. Yeah, day. my sister <laughs> is, a, is a news anchor and local celebrity, like a um, entertainment lifestyle celebrity in Honolulu so yeah she gets to she takes me along on some really fun adventures and she's actually down at El Zante right now at Hope House and um, getting some footage with all of those guys orange pilled slowly but surely <laughs> so I mean she's I have, hanging out in the right place yes I, I've made sure she does have some bitcoin I have a wallet for her but she she's not um bothered to read anything yet so I, I am I keep sending her so I'll get her there uh, that's the next question I was going to ask you about, uh, like your, your your family. How have they seen? Well, first of all, what changes have you noticed in in yourself since 
being completely orange peeled and letting the mind virus overtake you and listening to all the crazies on Bitcoin Twitter and seeing them get proved right over and over again, it's clearly had an effect on you. It has an effect on all of us. Yes. How has that affected you personally? And how do you think it's affected the way your, your family view you? Um, I would say for me personally, it's become this, I just don't believe anything. Anyway, like I, I, I don't watch news anymore. And I was a, every night I would have my glass of wine and watch the news and kind of unwind. I don't watch the news anymore. I get all of my news from Twitter basically at this point. And that's shocking to me, just the difference I see with what I see on Twitter. And if I do happen to my husband's watching or something, I'm like, I feel like I'm living in two different worlds. I, uh, my family's been supportive. Um, my husband kind of, because I had done really well, he, you know, he was happy for me to be a sugar mama. Like he just kind of do your own thing. And then slowly he's become more, um, like he, he had an exotic car, sold the exotic car for Bitcoin, which I would have said, no way would that ever happen. So he's just not as interested in, in learning more about it, but he believes in it. So I'm, I'm happy for him to be there. My parents were very fiscally conservative. I was able to get them to buy Bitcoin. So they all know that, you know, when I put myself, really throw myself into something that I don't do, take it lightly and I cover all my bases and really learn. So they trust me enough to know that, you know, that they're, that my belief is there and there's a reason for that. So um, I would say that's the change I see with my family is they're all like, okay, you know, but, but they don't want to hear too much of my crazy stuff. I so some of the conspiracy theories at this point, I'm like, I, like I listened to the Fauci book after, and I, <laughs> and things like that, I guess I don't talk about as much. Um, the place where I, I guess I'm having difficulty now would be like girlfriends and like local moms that I'm from. I just don't feel like I have anything to relate with them anymore. And I feel like I have to bite my tongue. And, and that's something difficult for me that I'm navigating now. So. How old are the kids? Uh, I have 20 year old, 19 year old, 13 year old, and an 11 year old. Wow. Yeah. Go mama. We're busy. Yeah, we, we've got four too. Uh, so How old are yours, Daniel? The, well, Lauren's 11. She has a twin brother. Yeah. Uh, 14 and 16. Okay. So we're yeah, a little uh, bit behind you. Um, Matt, that's, uh, so you still, yeah, I can imagine that now with the 13 and 11 year old, you're, you're still doing the school run, soccer mom type thing, whatever. And yeah, and those I interactions. them last year. So Good yeah, this you. is our school room. <laughs> so um, I, I wish I still had them at home now, actually. So, and yeah, we're looking at making some big changes for um, for next year, um, just in our whole lives. And um, and hopefully there I can homeschool them again. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much out there now for, oh. the, for the tools for the kids. I mean, ours are homeschooled. I, I use that word, it's the wrong word. Uh, they're, they're on a platform called uh, GalileoXP.com. Yes. And they're on there all the time because they love it. And yes. they're, they're getting their social interaction, that they're, they're doing art classes, dance classes, music classes, all the science it's, stuff. And it's, it's remarkable. And I, with my kids, it was interesting 
like with my 13 year old, um, she kept saying last year, I don't feel like I'm learning anything. Like, because <laughs> we would be done with the curriculum in three hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then it was interesting, which to go back to school, she had to take the standardized test, the Iowa test. She had, she's always been a good math student, but she just did what she was supposed to. She jumped ahead three years in math from one year of homeschooling. So, and she was like, I didn't feel like I learned anything. I said, well, well, you know, we were, I was teaching one person instead of 30. So yeah, it's, I, I I cannot recommend homeschooling enough. I, I think that it's, there's several reasons to do it. (laughs) It gives you that location independence as well. So when when you do want to get down to El Zonte or you want to go to Mexico or, you know, for, for whatever reason, whether that is for, you want to go and do the dentist thing and, but you, you can make a holiday of it. And that's two weeks. And if your kids are not tied to that specific place and this specific idea and this specific identity that they hang around your kids' necks, uh, then you're so much freer. It's the freedom. And then just the social education as well. Uh, uh, Travel is the gift that I've always given my children. I don't believe in giving them big things. So it's, I mean, we've traveled every Christmas since they were born and that was their big gift of Thailand and, um, you know, Europe and Central, all of Central America. And um, I think to be able to give them that is something that schools cannot match. That to just have a broader understanding of the world around them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we went on, uh, I asked Bitcoin Twitter for any questions. Let's see oh, if anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. Okay. So Pubby says, I've, I've got no questions at the moment. Just tell her Pubby and Anders say hello. She is becoming a THH spaces regular. So he, <laughs> he's talking about his, uh, their, their toxic happy hour spaces. Yes. Yes. And the, the, the way this uh, was put together, actually, I, I run that um, poll, if you remember, who would you like yes. to hear on Once Bitten, Susie or Greg Zarge? And, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> so you won that one hands down, but it looks as though it's all pretty quiet out there. So that, 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 or they're just too shy, Susie. You yes, know, they, that's they, okay. That's I, okay. I think that's the. I think you are. Uh, you scare too many people. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I did not realize how much I censor myself in real life until I got active <laughs> on Twitter. And it's funny, like, puppy particularly will tease me all the time, and because I, I am an introvert. Like I don't recharge by being around other people. It is when I need to recharge. It's at home with a book, all by myself. Um, but I feel like Twitter has given me a platform to sort of, that's kind of the real me. I, I am sort of uninhibited and, and body and, uh, you, you know, don't always hold my tongue, but in real life, right. You have to navigate these relationships and you, I have to be professional. And so I, I'm not really, I'm very censored in real life. So I'm thankful to be able to have this platform where I can be stupid and silly and have fun. And I have no agenda. I have no needs you know out of any of this so are you going to be in miami for the conference of course of you course. are Good yes, you. yes. Well, I'd, I'd love to meet you there we're just waiting for uh biden or anyone with any kind of sense to drop all of the uh medical regulations on um people that you know that want to come across from europe i would which, say uh, just keep your eyes on the uh poll numbers right like the mm. popularity numbers that should determine whether those stay in place or not it seems to be having quite an impact Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. I mean, it's not a zero chance that um, that they're dropped. So there's um, there's hope. There's hope. For Were the you there place. last year? No. 
no unless you need to be there yeah really yeah can't wait to you know the whole family would come um there's uh there's like a a great holiday to be had there you know it's Mm -hmm. not just flying and out for the conference it's like no let's make make a month of this and go and uh, travel and see some other parts of the states well if not hopefully they do um if for some reason things don't get dropped by then um i think they're doing adopting bitcoin in el salvador again and there's no requirements there yeah absolutely that was all dropped after the last conference. conference They dropped all of that after that last conference, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They must uh-huh. have seen the power of le- letting their borders open to the people that want to come in and interact with the community. Freedom is compelling. Mm. Who would have thought? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> all right, Susie, if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Mm, who would I give it to and why? You know who I would love to see thoroughly orange pilled? I th- I think it'll happen um, is Joe Rogan. I think he's just has such a um, you know strong voice. Obviously, so controversial right now. I think he all eyes are on him, and I think that him being orange pilled and talking about it would be enormously powerful. Who would have thought that? Telling the truth would be so controversial. Isn't it shocking? It's unbelievable. I'm surprised every day. I mean, that the word freedom is considered misogynistic now and, mm-hmm. you know, anti-vax and right wing. And it, it just, I'm shocked every day. Recently here, we had the news that uh, Prince Andrew managed to worm his way out and settle out of court. You know, there's a massive red flag. And yet he can now just walk free and go about his business. But uh, Julian Assange is still under high security arrest because he leaked some documents that were given to him that exposed criminality. Yeah. What world do we live in? It's, again, like I said, I I am thankful for Twitter. It's every day. I, I saw a story yesterday that was... I'm from San Francisco originally, and what's going on there is it it was somebody who said, I just went into a drugstore and was watching someone stealing actively. Nobody stopped them, but I didn't have my mask on, and two people came and had words with me. I was like, this is weird. We're in insane times. People have gone crazy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, all that, like you said, I mean, with the with what's going on with Chris Andrew and the Maxwell trial and that we hear nothing about, like every day I feel like, and even it's interesting for me to talk to normies about the Freedom Convoy and what's going mm-hmm. on in Canada. They vaguely heard of it, but no, nothing, nothing. It, the same in the UK. It took the BBC. I think they did a few little articles about it in the paper somewhere, like hidden where you're never going to find it. It was not on the evening news. It wasn't on the evening news for over a week because I was checking with my parents. Yeah. And I'm like, how are they not telling you? Like, how do you not know that like, this guy, the president of this country, which is a Commonwealth country, which you'd think the BBC would, you know, be more than willing Jump to... Jump on that, right? <laughs> right. Has gone into hiding. He's literally gone into hiding and announced he's got COVID. So even if he had announced COVID... That would have hit the front pages, surely, just two it weeks should. ago. It should. 
But no, he's gone into hiding. No, we're not going to report about that. He's got COVID. No, we're not going to report about that. There's a siege at Parliament. No, we're not going to report about that. Like the, the and he's like, do you not see how much you're being lied to? Yes. Yes. Even I put something, I tweeted something yesterday. It was just like a silly little meme about, and it was um it was graphic design to lead readers. So it was like, the first one was read this, next you'll read this, and it was all done. And I was like, if people don't think that this happens to us every day, and it's something my eyes are so open to is same thing with false headlines. I see it all the time now. The headline says one thing, and then you read the, if, if you bother to re actually read the, what the article is saying has nothing, it, it actually sometimes is in direct opposition to what the headline says. Like it'll be, oh, uh, CDC says that uh, vaccine works better than natural immunity. And then you read the, well, that's not what that study said at all the, in direct, but what they're counting on, we're being, right, we're being led, we're being manipulated. It's, they know that most people do not read the article. It's frightening. Just happy to be spoon fed their information and then feel as though they are an informed citizen of the world. Yes, I, I have I have people debate me all the time with just sharing a headline from CNN, you know, like, well, here's what the news said. No, <laughs> I don't take that as my news. No, we certainly don't. All right, Susie, this has been a great rip. Um, really appreciate you uh you coming on and, and sharing everything that um you know you've got planned for the uh the dental surgery in Elzonte. i really Thank wish you, you the best with that that is an amazing project uh very it's heartwarming. exciting and fun but yeah i appreciate you even wanting me on i you know hopefully it's not the most boring podcast for for your you know viewers and listeners but uh, yeah i appreciate you asking me no problem. The, the, this is what the plebs demanded. To, the, the, <laughs> you the poll, love the plebs, right? This... The poll results don't lie. Certainly not on Bitcoin <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> no, that, that is truth. So I believe that. All right. Well, take care. Speak again yes, soon. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Well, there you go, guys. There's Susie. Were you expecting that? What a great rip geeking out on dentistry as well uh, it's um it's awesome to to see what she's got in mind for el salvador she's actually there now on the ground in el salvador since we recorded she has already flown down and is making inroads into setting this thing up and this is going to be a thing you know this is how we give back to communities and this is how we educate others around us it's, it's going to be it's going to have such a huge impact on such a small community and be so instant uh, and all with the Bitcoin ethos and all backed by Bitcoin. And you know, how, how can anybody from the outside, from the legacy fiat world, look at that and poke holes in what's going on there? You know, no way. And this is just one example, because think about the amount of other great work that is being done by plebs out there that are given back to, to their own communities if there are any uh other plebs listening that have done something similar and you want to come on the show and discuss this topic or you've got an idea please just reach out dm me uh reach out to Susie as well if you're a dentist if you're a pleb dentist or if you can help her in any way maybe you can get some equipment down there maybe you'll be able to I don't know, whatever it is, whatever skill set you've got that you might be able to help out with Susie. And uh, if you're 
passionate about Bitcoin and you're passionate about this project that she's trying to put together, now's the time. Reach out. Let's build. Let's, uh, you know, stand together shoulder to shoulder and keep spreading this message of Bitcoin. Thank you again, you guys, for listening. If you're using Fountain app to listen to this and stream some Satoshis across, I really appreciate it. Or Breeze, it's another great option. Podcasting 2.0 value for value model is just getting better and better. And uh, I speak on behalf of the other podcasters out there. It's it's a thrill when we see those those small micro payments come in because it's just another affirmation of where this is going. It's it's huge. Uh, make sure you check out the sponsors: SwanBitcoin.com forward slash Bitten Coin Corner in the UK. Hit the link in the show notes. Go check them out. You'll get a free ten bucks or euros or pounds. Uh, if you sign up with either of those two relay across europe relay is spelled r-e-l-a-i dot c-h forward slash bitten they're always running different promos and you can create your own affiliate links at these places as well right this is what's interesting for when you're orange pulling your friends and family bitcoinreserve.com go check them out stack heavy with them and get the white glove service shiftcrypto.ch look after your coins use the bitbox 2 bitcoin only wallet get to the conference Make sure you can travel, but use the code BITSEN at checkout for 10% off. Catch you on the next show, guys.